Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the new Mainstream Podcast, where we explore the impact of multicultural consumers on marketing and media. I'm your host, Mario Carrasco, and co-founder of ThinkNow. Excited to introduce our guest today, Ileana Acosta, Senior Manager of Channel Sales and Global Co-Chair of the Hispanics of LinkedIn Alliance CRG at LinkedIn. Welcome, Ileana. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mario. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to jump in. We've chatted a little bit and um, excited for listeners to hear your story and your work um, at LinkedIn which you have pretty much two positions, but we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into that. But I, I had the, I had the pleasure of hearing your, a little bit about your story at the LTX quest um, conference that we both participated in, but for our listeners, could you let us know a little bit about your career journey, which, you know, you, you've been in marketing um, D and I like, yeah, would love to, to hear about how you, your journey, how you got to be at LinkedIn. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's a long story. I won't date myself, so I won't give you exact years. But I have been in media sales partnerships for a couple of decades. Um, and I started out in publishing in print. So I'm showing my age a little bit there. Um, but I really got the bug in just forging relationships because relationships really, really matter. Uh, it's where I started really understanding how powerful your network and your net worth would be as a result of it. And I really enjoyed being in a sales capacity. I started out as a sales assistant and worked, you know, again, traditional media and print, and then went into digital. And then about 2010 or so, I gave you one year, don't start backtracking, um, <laughs> to into the digital space and the ad tech space. <clears throat> and I started in behavioral targeting and working for an ad network. And did sort of that startup world for a while, mid-level startups, so wearing multiple hats. Um, if anyone knows me, I really love to be building things. So I really like the startup sort of mentality of like having that grit and hustle to figure it out because you don't know where your next dollar is going to come from. Um, and you're competing with these big, big companies to try to get a customer to really identify with what you're doing and the value you bring to their organization. So I really love that construct um, in that build phase, doing things with like-minded people that are all working towards these, this larger goal. So to create something from nothing to something is exciting. And so with that same mentality, <clears throat> that's what kind of took me to the future roles that I had, whether it be at startups, mid-levels, or working for global organizations like NBC Universal, and then ultimately now at LinkedIn. So you'd think that with these larger companies, you wouldn't have the opportunity to create something from nothing because there are these big companies, but that's wrong. There's a lot of, of opportunities to create something from nothing within these organizations, particularly with the team that I joined at LinkedIn. It's our channel sales team that essentially is working with global partners to drive incremental, uh, I'm sorry, incremental opportunity um, and value for our customers, our LinkedIn marketing solutions uh, customers. And when I joined, this team may, may have been created about eight to 12 months in, um, and there was not a lot of processes in place, a lot of structure in place. So it had that scrappy startup feel. 
And I was like, holy cow, this is like the perfect scenario. I get that startup scrappy, got to have a lot of hustle and grit situation with this role. But then with the resources of a large company, like, hello, Uh, for anyone who's been in startup, you know that like the struggle is real to have teams and resources to help you along the way. And so that's what brought me to LinkedIn and this particular team that allowed me to bring both of my worlds together, working with startups as well as global organizations and bringing it together here. That's awesome. I mean, and you're like the ideal guest. I didn't know about your, you have that data analytics background. So we have, you know, a lot of researchers that listen in, um, sales. And then, um, you know, one of the reasons I invited you in, right, was about your DE&I journey. Um, mm-hmm. So you, you're, you're, in, you're at LinkedIn, um, you're at, you're an entrepreneur, right, or a mm-hmm. corporate entrepreneur starting something relatively new and building that. Um, but now you're the, you're the co-chair of, of an ERG, which I imagine mm-hmm. probably one of the biggest ERGs in, in tech. So like, how, how did you, yeah, how, how did you wrap your head around that? Like, like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're starting something in a position in a department that's relatively new. Um, how mm-hmm. far, in, how far into your career journey at LinkedIn did you say, Hey, I want to get involved with DE&I? Uh, probably about four months. <laughs> wow. Okay. It was, it was really early on. So my past, uh, my past life, we'll talk about like my previous roles. Um, there have been times where I felt like the only person of color at the table and it was really difficult to navigate some of that, right? Because it, sometimes you feel silenced because if you speak up, it, you know, you're not going to have an ally or a sponsor in the room to help back you up. Um, or you felt like super intimidated by an all boys club that was happening in many of these tech companies. And you were the, you know, one of the very few women, forget of color, just women in a room. And so that's always been like super intimidating throughout my career early on. And um, over the last several years, I've really come to start being comfortable within my own skin and owning my own voice and really finding groups and teams and forums to be a part of that allow me to just be me um, because I feel best when it's just me, right? Where I don't have to code switch or assimilate to a situation or a crowd. I could just bring this version of me in every single room that I walk into. And so when I started the the organization um, at LinkedIn, I remember being in our third floor cafe in the Empire State Building, which is where our New York office is based. And there were people that looked like me. You know what? Scratch that. Before I even went to the cafe, day one, I was introduced to people around me and it was like three black people and like one Latino. And I was like, I am home. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I found my spot. I literally felt a sense of belonging from that first moment that I saw people that looked like me. And so that's that's so important to share, right? For companies companies listening, right? Outside of DE&I and from an HR perspective, like proof is in the pudding are the, when there's mm-hmm. people there that look like you or that you can relate to in some way, like that, that beats anything, right? Like that's, right. that's yeah, I feel that. I felt I automatically, once I met them and they're like very good friends of mine today, um, outside of work, I was like, Oh, I got backup, you know, I was <laughs> yeah. like, this is great. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is amazing. And we all work for the same business unit. So I was like, wait, you're saying I'm going to collaborate with these people? Like they're going to be around the table I'm sitting at? This is 
what? And so that really was the catalyst that prompted me to start being more involved and really understand what's the company doing from a DEI perspective, from diversity, equity, and inclusion um, standpoint. Um, I hate using acronyms on calls because you never know, like, who knows which DEI, right, you know, right. acronym stand for. So thank, thank you. Thank you. For, I, I, yeah, I fall into the acronym trap. So diversity, equity, inclusion. Yes. Um, me, yeah, me too. Um, so we should have it like a, a, a jar. Every time we use an acronym, put a dollar in it or something. <laughs> right. We'll donate it to charity. Um, like but I, um, I started really being curious on what they were doing. And I said, okay, well, I've been in the organization for obviously less than a year. I was still ramping up in my role. And they do have a requirement to be in seat for about six months before you take on any role within the ERG um, system uh, because it is a second role to what you're doing in your day job. So I started in the ERG as a as a New York office lead because there's so many Latinos in New York, and I was like, we're not, I'm not seeing the vibrations I want to see out here. Um, yeah. Can we can we do things here that'll celebrate not only the culture but like what else are we doing for our New York Latinos? What are we doing to pour into this community? And so I started as a New York lead, um, and then worked my way into the North America co-lead, working with my great colleague who's out, based out actually in Chicago. And then um, I just was not seeing the change that I was hoping to see, right? And I wasn't seeing a ton of attention around programs to pour into the Latino community from a growth and development standpoint. I wasn't seeing enough opportunities to hear from external speakers to better understand um, how lived experiences impact us at work and changes that need to be made. I wasn't seeing programs around highlighting how allyship is so important to the brown community and our development and our growth. I wasn't seeing enough Latinos in leadership positions. So all these things I wasn't seeing, there was more. And I said, I need to be a part of the change. I need to be a part of the solution because I can't complain about something if I'm not doing something about it. And that's when I went for a co-chair role. And, I, and I'm working with my fellow co-chair, Joey, um, who's based out of our Santa Barbara um, office or Carpinteria. And we have, over the last 15 months or so in seat, totally transformed this ERG. We've done a 180 into really creating a very strong operating rhythm and bringing forth this ERG that's just full of life and inspiration and opportunity. And so that's, that's where I'm at now. And that was my journey into getting involved uh, with the ERG. And, and as, as a last note, you know, being a part of this ERG over the last several years, it has really given me so many opportunities that I otherwise wouldn't have been afforded from speaking opportunities to programs that I've applied for, to coaching and development and working with a, a, a uh, executive coach. And so just a lot of things that I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this, this program and the ERG and, and the opportunities that exist because of it. I, and I love how you position that because so many times when I talk to people that are interested in getting involved with diversity, <laughs> equity, and inclusion, or ERGs, they see it as like, just more on top of their current position, which of course it is. I'm not negating that. Mm -hmm. But you're saying like it's giving you more opportunities, mm -hmm. which I think is a great way to think about it, right? Because you're you're talking likely to departments and department leads and people that you maybe would never interact with in your daily job, right? That is right. That's actual. That's 100 percent accurate. Um, yeah. From our executive sponsors who run business units within the organization. To, you know, I work in our LinkedIn marketing solutions business, which is LMS, if you hear me refer to it as that. Um, and you are in your, you know, you're working with just your business unit in many, many cases. 
And being a part of an ERG exposes you to every single like business unit out there because our ERG leadership team and our members are across the entire global organization, not just LMS. And so it's given me the opportunity to have this massive network across the globe within LinkedIn that I can tap into, I can meet with and, you know, collaborate with to execute really meaningful 360 degree programs that I otherwise I would not have been exposed to for sure. Yeah. And and it's also like being true to yourself, right? You were talking about how you really love relationships. Um, You really love um, that creating a sense of belonging. So you get both of those things, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And you mentioned, so backing up a little bit, you mentioned when you first joined, you felt like the ERG wasn't at a place that you would like. And so it sounds like you made some meaningful change and I'm sure you've learned a lot. So share mm-hmm. with us, like, what are some key elements that make a successful ERG in your opinion and from your experience kind of building out the the Hispanic ERG there at LinkedIn? Are you ready? Because I have like a long list. <laughs> this, 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 this is the meat. So we're ready. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, for those listening in, get a paper and a pen or start typing because there's, there's definitely some lessons learned along the way. Um, one, we had to pause for a second. We said, let's, there's power in the pause. I say this a lot, um, where you had to really reflect on, okay, what are we working with today? Where are we today? And what mountain are we trying to climb? Right. And, and when Joey and I first uh, sat in our co-chair seats, uh, virtual, because we were still remote, um, we had to really understand, like, what are we trying to do here? Right. So having a very clear picture of what your vision to values looks like is really, really important. And, you know, you can you can search online for vision to values framework and also on LinkedIn learning. There's a whole course on it. But really understand what's your mission your value proposition, what's going to make you stand out, who are you actually targeting? Obviously, internal you know, Latino employees, but for in, in our case, um, but are you looking to ex- focus on external audiences as well? Um, what is the real opportunity? What's your strategy going to look like? Have you identified your priorities and your overall objectives? And that's where we started. So like a vision to values framework. So that this, this sounds like, like, to me, like a business plan. Right, I it mean, it's 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 a business plan. You're you're running the ERG. What are the objectives? Your target market. I mean, these are all mm-hmm. things that go into launching a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're running a business, right? And I think that's right. where, you know, in talking to a lot of different organizations, um, I was talking with one recently actually, where what's happening with their their ERGs um, is that they're just focusing on the fun element, like celebrating the fun stuff. But in reality, ERGs are also a part of the global business. Like your goal, you're one piece of the puzzle that is allowing the overall org to achieve their, in this case, their diversity, equity, and inclusion goals for the year, for the next five years, whatever that is. So you really have to understand another point. Understand like what piece of the piece of the puzzle are you? And what are how are you aligning your your strategy, your objectives, your vision to values with what the company is trying to do? Because that's the ultimate goal. Like this is a business. Like yeah, it's fun, but like we're trying to pour into our people. Because what happens is we pour into our people to their growth and development, then they can get promoted into more senior roles and have more senior leaders that are Latino in senior roles, but also leaving more open seats for us to recruit more Latinos into the company. 
right? So like there's, it's a bit, it is a business. And so that's the thing. Like we took a step back <clears throat> and said, this is not operating like a business today. So having a solid operating rhythm in place that everyone in the ERG is bought into is really important because we need to all be moving in the same direction. Yeah, and, I, have more, so, I have more, but. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and I want to, so <clears throat> a, a part of that too, right? When you're looking at your, um, what is, what'd you call it? Vision to mission? Vision to mission? values. Vision, Vision to, to values, values. Is, mm -hmm. is, is looking also at the, objectives of the company right and aligning mm -hmm. the that vision with that and in, in, in some respect 100 percent. that's yeah. to be honest it's probably the most important right because you need to understand the company's goals and objectives so that you understand how your erg plays a role in helping the company achieve those short and long-term goals and then you know how to move you're like okay this is the north star let's develop our vision to values framework to align with this so that where we have a, a greater purpose, we have a greater purpose than just having fun. We are definitely going to have fun and celebrate, especially with Latinos, you know, we're loud, but there's yeah. other things that we could be doing as well. And so, and really also, you know, think about getting executive buy-in, right? That, if that was you are, be my next question. What yeah, buy-in? Yeah, that buy-in, like we're trying to get resources to really amplify what we're doing as an ERG. But if you are just, you know, having the fun, but not demonstrating the metrics, right? Like, how are you measuring success? And what kind of story can you tell with now these metrics that you're leveraging um, today, or that you're seeing from the activations that you're doing in your ERG? How what's the story that you can now tell and say, hey, exec sponsors, here's what we're doing. And here's what we can use your help to then tell this story to the C-suite, and get buy-in across the entire organization, not just with our exec sponsors, so that they can continue to pour into and support the ERG in a greater way. So measuring success and really identifying what does success actually look like. Let's say you're, you're working on your vision to values framework and it's for 12 months because that's the ideal. So you have a full year ahead. Here's how we're going to move. This is how we're moving over the next 12 months. And at the end of those 12 months, we will be successful if what fill in the blank right if our membership has increased by 20 percent um in our case we've increased membership by over 100 percent year over year over the last 12 months because we've really invested in creating an operating rhythm and creating programs that will pour into our members and our employees um are you you know evaluating every single event and every single touch point that you have have they been successful and what's that what does that success look like um, and then lastly, <clears throat> I will say in terms of another tip I will leave you with, along with the other ones I've just mentioned, um, intersectionality, you all, like for real, for real, intersectionality is huge because this ERG work is in addition to your role that you were hired to do with whatever company you're with today. And so really being able to work with other ERGs, other, ER, other ERGs and other teams to scale out programs and opportunities is huge because you can do, do more and you can go further together. And there's a way that you can help to scale and amplify these programs to a larger audience on a global basis if you work with other ERGs to, to do things together. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of where I'll leave you. You know, Tap into these ERGs, your fellow ERGs, because 
they may have done something in before that you might be able to repurpose and or tag team with them to do a 2.0 version that will drive you that even that much more value to your shared members. I love that. So I'm, I'm going to summarize and correct me if I'm wrong. So you have your plan, right? You got to have a plan 12 months mm-hmm. with metrics that are aligned mm-hmm. to company goals and vision. Mm-hmm. Number two, you got to have that buy-in specifically from the executive team. I remember you mentioned on the last call that um, you know you have access to the C-suite mm-hmm. in regards to ERG, which I think is pretty incredible um, for a, for an organization as large as LinkedIn. And then three, intersectionality, making sure that you're connecting with other ERGs for best practices. Um, and also, I'm an, I'm assuming there's there's ways for you all to to have some I don't know shared events, shared goals, mm-hmm. things that. Um, make it easier, but also just connect employees, I think, on a different level. Mm-hmm. 100%. That was a good sum. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely. Yeah. So, I, I just, I'm going to just say one thing on the intersectionality piece. It's like, even when, when people are ask, ask us, like, oh, would you, would Ola be able to do or want to participate in X? I'm like, is it scalable? Is it repeatable? Can we make this global versus just regional to like an office? Like, let's think bigger because, again, we can do more with less. And in many cases with ERGs and our budgets, um, we have to do more with less. And so it's just to be smarter and move a little bit more and more, and more efficiently. And I love the way that you're talking about it because so many times, well, I don't want to say so many times, but so, oftentimes uh, you get companies or executives that look at diversity, equity, and inclusion as like a nice to have and like you mentioned, like fun events, but really it's a, it's a business imperative to your point, right? You, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that the employees that you hire um, feel a sense of belonging and ERGs are just such a critical part of that, um, mm-hmm. but also de- developing talent. Um, and as we know, right, I say these statistics all the time, diversity just helps the bottom line and alt- like from a team perspective, problem solving. So, um, yeah, I think looking at it at a business is it's just is a great framework to work from. Yeah, totally. You need to have everyone's buy-in too. I talked about this a, a bit ago, but um, making sure that folks understand their roles and responsibilities is also really important because, again, not everyone can wear multiple hats in an ERG because we have this is in addition to their day jobs. Um, and I think that's like a really important key because m- my goal and Joey's goal is not to burn anyone out working two full-time jobs, um, but it is to align the role. And I should have said this before, actually, but when you're recruiting leadership for your ERG, one of the things that we've done, and I definitely tip our hats, my hat off to us, just to give us flowers on this because it's been really, really effective, is to align roles with people's uh, goals that rhymes, but didn't mean to. But if when someone's applying for a role and they want to be in a particular global leadership seat or office lead or a regional lead role, we meet with them and it's literally an interview process. Like, help me understand what are you trying to do uh, at LinkedIn, and more so, what are your career goals and what's your what drives you. Because when you align roles with what a person is looking to achieve or a skill, a new skill they might want to learn or get better in, um, or maybe they want to be a people manager and then they're an IC and this is a leadership role that they can 
tap into that they can gain some of the skills they need to become a people manager in, in the long term. Um, in which case, then let's talk about the roles that are available and then align you with the right role for you. What that has done for us is allowed us to put people in seats that they are super passionate about and they are incredibly motivated to do the work that's needed because they are like, this is their, this is their baby, right? And they're bought into it and they, they know that they're going to get value out of the work that they're doing because it aligns directly with what they're trying to do in their career. And so it's really helped us to, to push this ERG forward. I love that. You're using like the ERG as an incubator for people's careers, essentially, right? Like oh, for they're, sure. they're, they're passionate about this, um, about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then there's an opportunity to advance your career by being able to participate maybe in the type of role that you're looking for to get into whatever mm-hmm. organization. Um, yeah. And I think that's a great transition for my next question or the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. You know, many times I have conversations with a lot of um, ERG leaders um, or people that want to get into ERGs or just diversity, equity, and inclusion, maybe not as formal as setting something up, but that want to do something right in their organization. Um, I think many times a barrier is this feeling like, okay, I already have a full-time job. How am I going to take on these responsibilities? I mean, you, you talked about everything you do in your job, like, Let's get to the nitty gritty. How are you? How are you balancing that? Like, how do you balance your full time job with, which now you're global co chair, right? Like, which mm-hmm. that sounds like a whole other full time job. How does that? How does that work? How are you? How are you balancing that? No sleep. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think here here's the deal. When I started in the organization, I was an IC, and I've been promoted twice, and now I'm a senior manager. And all this time, I started as an IST in the ERG as well, and that, but I was leading a lot of programs in the ERG. And so not to say that that's what got me into a people manager role, but it certainly helped because I was leading teams already in the ERG and really understanding the dynamic of how to lead teams at LinkedIn and how to really lead with compassion and empathy, um, which is you know what we do here at LinkedIn. And it gave me, it allowed me to flex a different muscle that I wasn't flexing as an IC, which now in turn helps me be that much better of a leader for my team within the channel sales org that I, that I'm in. And so I find ways to look at like, how can I, what, what I'm doing within the ERG, how can I bring some of that value into my team and vice versa? So it absolutely helps me in navigating both teams because I am leading both of those teams on the ERG side. Um, I am working with my co-chair who he and I have really developed a great working relationship and in managing this ERG. And so how I balance is aligning with my co-chair and saying, okay, let's take our egos out, right? Let's identify what are you good at? What am I good at? What do I have institutional knowledge on? What do you have institutional knowledge on? And let's take it from there. And that's what we did when we first got in seat. And so divide and conquer is like our jam. Like there's no way in heck that I could do it all. And there's no way he can do it either. And so him and I really work on dividing what we need to do from a a macro level to to operate this ERG and then move accordingly. 
And so that means that like I am, let's say, quote unquote, leading, let's say our showcase um, pod, as well as our like allyship pod and our program managers. But then he's working with our treasurer and our chief of staffs and um, our other program managers that focus on a different discipline. And so we are really like splitting the ERG almost up in two and saying like, you focus here, you focus here, but then we come together and then we, this is when we bring it all together for it to flow. And it's worked out really well. And it's allowed us both to be able to balance both roles successfully and still move up in our careers. I think we both got promoted during the times we've been in co-chairs. And so it's been really successful. There are, now I'm not going to lie for those listening in, there are times during the year where you are literally rolling up your sleeves and you may be working a late night or two, but it's not on a consistent basis and it's absolutely manageable and it's absolutely fulfilling where I know that every single day that we do this work, we are driving new opportunities for the Latinos at LinkedIn and creating new opportunities for those Latino members on our platforms. That to me is really fulfilling because we are changing what the future could look like for future generations, because this is not about doing the work for today. It's about creating long-term sustainable change so that those that come after us don't have to be impacted the way that we have been in our careers and there's a better future for them. I love that. And I think the thing that stuck with me most about what you said, it's like, you're not looking at it necessarily as a different role. You're looking at it as something that's developing your current role, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're taking those learnings um, and taking what you said about when you get people into the ERG that want to have leadership, you're looking at what their career goals, you're doing the same for yourself, which I think is, mm -hmm. is a great way to look at it, right? It's not necessarily a whole new role. It's something that's going to be able to help you in your current role. And it sounds like in your case, it's done exactly that. Yeah, it definitely has. Again, you know, working working uh, in LMS or you know LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, you're you're just working on your business, and sometimes there is um, activity working with other business units, depending on on any case you might be working on. But with the ERG, oh my gosh, it's opened up the doors to so many teams, from editorial to our production team to our team in you know London, Dublin. I mean, countries we've crossed borders and oceans across the board. And while I work on a global team from with our channel sales org, again, it's still within LinkedIn marketing solutions. I literally have now connections in pretty much any office and any region that we're in because of the ERG. And so it's given me a lot of exposure, which is great. And so I always say like, if there's a day where I'm like, you know what, I want to move to our Amsterdam office. I can have a conversation and explore what that could look like and how I can make that work work versus before I'd be like, where do I even start to do something like that? You know, uh, can, can you share? So you were telling me like, um, which is super inspiring how you, the work you do, right. Is helping future generations of, of LinkedIn and, and creating leadership opportunities. Can you share with me like a, a win for the ERG, something that you've seen how an ERG has helped someone at LinkedIn maybe move mm -hmm. into a role that they liked or develop their career. would love to hear just. Oh my there. gosh. We have, we have so many examples. Um, oh man. <clears throat> trying to think of one because there's some really good ones. I mean, just use me as an example. Like I've moved in up twice in my role and my ERG work is always part of my objectives and key results framework that I outline for myself every half. 
And my leader is always uses that as the, the driver for my annual reviews, as well as my, when I outline my OKRs for the, for the year. And so that's one. Um, within the organization, we've also had, I mean, we're working on our all hands deck right now, which is happening in two weeks. And there is, there are so many promotions that like we have to now crowdsource so we don't miss any because there's been so many that have happened within our own global leadership team and office leads. I think at least 20%, if not more, have been promoted over the last year. And I'm not saying that the ERG work is what was the, what was the sole driver, but they have gained so many new skills and are able to navigate the organization and also feel really equipped to have any review conversations, um, promotion conversations, negotiation conversations, because we have rolled out programs and have given access to opportunity to help them navigate these conversations. We've had forums or we've had recruiters and experts come in and do keynotes or fireside chats or just open Q&A dialogue on how do we navigate these conversations? How do we negotiate? How do we make more money? How do we, you know, what's the path for me as an IC and into a people manager or other, by the way, to be a leader, you don't have to be a people manager. And so giving access to the programs um, and giving visibility to the programs that we have uh, available at LinkedIn has also been a key driver in getting folks on our, whether they're members or on our leadership team, um, access to programs that they didn't, they didn't even know existed. I love that. And, and I feel like now, you know, people are inspired people are hopefully listening that want to get into, um, diversity and inclusion in their, their organizations. Like what would you, what would you advise for someone that's like, hasn't taken that first step and wants to, um, maybe create something, an organization that maybe doesn't exist. I think there's a lot of people that are passionate about helping underrepresented communities, um, mm-hmm. within their organizations, but are just afraid. Like what's, what's that, what advice would you give someone for taking that first step? Don't be afraid. You know, um, there was a lot of times for many years that I did not see anyone who looked like me. And I was so tired of complaining and not being a part of the solution. And use that as sort of the ammo you need to start something. And if you feel like you need 10 people to start, you're wrong. It could just be you driving awareness around opportunities, around different occasions that might happen, around um, different lived experiences, like just be you and know that you have a greater purpose on this in this world. And this could be the change that you need to start seeing and that other people have hoped for and never had the the gumption to go for it. So you might be starting a trend and not even know it. And before you know, you have a whole following. I love that. And I think that's a perfect place to, to end. Thank you so much for joining. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. Um, for people that want to stay connected with you, Ileana, what's the best way to re- find you on LinkedIn and, 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 and follow your content? Yeah, thank you. Um, follow me on LinkedIn, uh, Ileana Acosta. And uh, I also dropped the newsletter uh, starting about seven weeks ago or so that is called Lost in Translation. And it is talking about uh, the lived experiences of underrepresented groups and how those lived experiences impact us on a daily basis and how we show up in our personal lives and in our work lives. And it's to really drive awareness around these key topics that have shaped who we are as the black and brown community and others, by the way, I'm learning um, as well. 
and it's it's a labor of love it's very uh vulnerable a lot of vulnerability uh, a lot of my own personal stories it's definitely not a cookie cutter super corporate newsletter by no means it is just real talk unfiltered and i'm putting it out there because i'm not seeing it done and or talked about enough and so i wanted to have a place so we can share and so follow the newsletter and, and stay tuned for more how, how do we sign up for the newsletter Right on LinkedIn. Uh, that's, okay, you cool. can, yeah, it's in my profile. You can you can subscribe on there. And I am working on a special project coming up in the next couple of months. Can't share details yet, but uh, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you will hear more information about that in the next couple of months. Awesome. Thanks again for joining and thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you for having me. So appreciate it. Thanks to everyone listening in. To get more multicultural insights, check us out at thinknow.com and follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Final thank you to our producer, Lucas Martinez, who created our intro music and makes our podcast sound great. To email him, reach out to martinez.lucas.a at gmail.com.